everyone to the Kingdom Capitalist Show. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, and this is the podcast to help you as a faith-driven investor, business owner, entrepreneur, uh, really begin to advance God's kingdom, both through your business, through your capital, your investing. And we have an incredible guest today who really is, um, I don't know about an OG, but definitely an expert, a leader in, in building businesses online. Um, he is... Uh, the head or the founder of uh, The Recording Revolution, one of the world's largest and most loved online resources for audio recording and music production, uh, a fellow brother in the Lord, uh, an incredible entrepreneur who's, who's a great creative um, and has really helped a lot of people begin to grow their business online, learn how to sell online. And so I just think this is such a relevant topic and incredible guest who's also a family man and um, uh, this idea of not just chasing after wealth, but um, as a kingdom leader, how do we think beyond wealth? And so uh, we got a great, great show in store for you today. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest to you, Mr. Graham Cochran. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, Alice. Yeah, man. So tell our audience uh, where you're at in the country right now. Yeah, I'm in Tampa, Florida. So hanging out in the bottom right corner. There it is, man. What's going on in Tampa these days? Oh, do people are prepping for storm season right now? So oh, that's not very fun. But yeah, nothing really much. It's just been uh, kids got out of school, which meant nothing because they were already at home <laughs> for coronavirus school. Mm-hmm. So we're starting the summer and um, trying to see what are we going to do in a coronavirus summer where there's not really any plans. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. Did tell only because I think this is going to be irrelevant. I feel like it is for some reason going to be a relevant part of our conversation today. Um, I don't typically ask this, but tell us a little bit about your family. Like how many kids you got, your wife. I mean, we'd love to, I'd love to learn a little bit more about that side of you. Yeah. So Shay and I have been married almost 15 years. Um, and we have two daughters, Chloe, who's turning 11 any day now. And then Vera, who is eight. So two girls. And then I have a girl bunny also. So it's me and a bunch of <laughs> females. females. Are y'all homeschooling right now? Did you homeschool before COVID? No, no, we, no, gosh, we don't, we're not that we're not that smart. I, I'm like, I don't trust myself to teach my kids. So I, I need smarter people. But no, they, um, they actually did really well at homeschool. So it's kind of fun for a couple of months. I mean, my oldest was like, Dad, can we always do this? I'm done by lunchtime. This is great. So but no, they, uh, they are normally in school and, and they, they love school. So I think they are excited to go back when it all yeah. opens up again. Yeah. Well, uh, look, man, I'm, I'm really excited to get into this. Uh, so much good stuff we're, we're going to talk about today. But before we do, let me just pray for us. And then uh, we'll get this kicked off. Yeah. God, again, we give you thanks. We've been quiet. Spend some time right now and just quiet to uh, say we're ready. We're ready for you to speak to us and through through Graham and, and, and through me to those who are listening and um, really want to uh, serve our audience, those who are listening, who are really seeking to advance your kingdom through their business, through their capital. And God, that you might help us do that so your name would be made great. Pray that in Christ's name. Amen. All right, man. So we got a great show. So let's start um, with a little bit of your story, and then we're going to kind of get into some of these things that are going on, because you weren't always an entrepreneur, um, you know, and I, knowing your story, you got started in a pretty hard time, kind of similar to, to where we are now, right? Like in a uh, 2009, during the Great Recession. So walk us through a little bit of that, kind of your story and getting into founding, you know, the, um, the revolution, man, the, 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 the music company you started. Yeah, man. I mean, I I had one dream pretty much throughout all of middle and high school, and that was to be a rock star. You know, I wanted to play music for a living and 
Um, and I, I worked really hard at it. So I, I fell in love with everything music and, and songwriting and, and producing. And I got into audio engineering as a kid, like, oh, cool, I can play with all the, the, the gear and record. And that was fun too. So I had a deal with my parents where I didn't want to go to college. I just wanted to go make, make a career in music. And they had saved up money for me to go to school. And my grandfather had saved up money for me to go to school. And they're like, hey, we want you to go to college. We don't, you can totally pursue music, but get a degree in something. And when I realized you could get a degree in audio engineering, so basically hanging out in a recording studio, <laughs> I was like, okay, that sounds like a compromise. I'll go to college for that and hang out in the studio and I'll, I'll make records and I'll make connections. And my goal was to sign a record deal when I graduated from college. Uh, in my senior year, I made a record, um, hired a session, a bunch of session players and a producer out of Nashville and my, I had a professor who um, had a lot of connections still in the music industry and had kind of mentored me. And he was like, hey, this is my shot. We we're going to make this record. We we're going to shop it around. And that was about as far as my vision was. And so it, it had to happen or, or else. <laughs> but it didn't, really, it didn't really gain any traction. I didn't really get any, anyone that was super interested. It was just like, you know, everything was like, yeah, this is okay. This is good. We're not what we're looking for. And I had to come to grips pretty early on. Like, man, this might not work. Like, I'm, I might have to get a job. <laughs> so... And uh, I, I was engaged to Shay. Um, we were going to get married. And I was like, dude, I have no, no way to provide if we get married. Like I was banking on this music thing. And so that kind of felt like a dream dying, um, graduating college. And I, I started to sell radio advertising at a local radio station and uh, just sit in a cubicle all day and wear, wear a shirt and tie that was oversized and hating my life. And so I had a crisis of like, what, who, who am I? Like, this is all I know to do. Hmm. Um, and God took me on a few years of that. And eventually through um, deciding to help my buddy plant a church, we were planning out of our church in Virginia. And he's like, Hey, I want to go down South. I want to go to Tampa and start a church down there. And I was leading worship at one of the teams of the church says, do you want to come down and be my worship guy? We'll just have an adventure and start a life over there in Tampa. I said, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, and that's what got us down to Tampa in 2009. And, uh, it was, yeah, the great recession. It was a really bad time to move to Florida. It was a really bad time to, to need a new job. I think I had 50 job interviews in one year um, and got some job at a tech startup. It was an, excuse me, a financial startup. Um, and five months in, they ran out of money. I lost that job and we had just moved. We had just bought our first house, had our first baby. We're planning a church, didn't know hardly anybody. I was thinking, God, what the heck am I doing with my life? Like, I'm not really getting anywhere. I'm 26, four years out of school. I, don't, I have no prospects, man. And, and that's when God started to plant the idea of like, I thought the idea was, well, you, you have a skill of recording music and you have a freelance. I have that. I've always been doing freelance recording and mixing for bands, but that was never my full-time income. It was just side income and it was fun money and it was no pressure. And that was about all I had dabbled with, with business. And I, I would have labeled myself a scaredy cat. I wasn't entrepreneurial. I didn't have great vision for starting something or growing that, but I thought that's the only skill I have, the only card I can play. Mm. So maybe I could start a blog or I could put out some YouTube videos so that people could discover me online and then maybe hire me. Like if they see that I'm talented and then hire me, that was my strategy. And then what that turned into is this, this massive content business that's called the recording revolution for the last almost 11 years where I've been teaching musicians how to record music. And it was just a crazy discovery of what God was had in store for me. Wow. I, that's so cool that you turned something you were passionate about. I mean, I think that's incredibly relevant, right? Listening, like 
you weren't entrepreneurial. It's not like you had this great vision for what you were building, but you were passionate about something. You had a skill. And not only that, man, but, um, and I have experienced this in the world of entrepreneurship. Um, and I won't get too much into detail on, on this story, but like, it's kind of when you're laying on your back, you know, and you're just not sure what you're going to do. And you kind of ask God, like, Lord, what am I going to do? Right? Like, how are we going to move forward? And you're praying for ideas and it kind of forces you to get creative. It forces you to come up with that next step. And it seems like that's exactly what happened. Like I'm at my wits in here, God, like, what do I'm going to do? I'm just going to like, here it is. And I love that you took action and see what God has done with that. Um, I really, really can relate to that, uh, especially in the world of entrepreneurship. I feel like that happens so often. Well, yeah, because there's like life, sometimes everyone has these moments, or maybe you have that one big moment in your life, maybe you have multiple, these moments in life where you realize you don't have control of your life, mm -hmm. and something's happened. And so, you know, as a Christian, if you're already, a, sometimes that's a, what causes people to come to faith. And, and sometimes for believers, that's what causes us to like, really learn what it means to trust God. Maybe we had it easy before. I think I had it pretty easy before. And so that was my moment of like, God, I literally don't know what to do. And I, I want to hear from you so bad because I need help. And so um, we were, I remember we were on food stamps. We were on, the, I guess you call it snaps now, but we were on food stamps for 18 months. Um, and that was like the low, that was like, like Shay even asked me, can we apply for food stamps? We have some friends that did and they're getting like plenty of money for groceries and we need it. And I told her flat out, no. I said, I'm, that's, that's not, we are not those kind of people. You know, that's like basically what came out of my mouth, which sounds awful when I say it now, but I, I, I couldn't come to grips with the fact that we needed help, you know, like mm -hmm. that. Um, mm -hmm. I was like, I've always had a job, even as a teenager, part-time job, like this, we'll figure this out. But she asked again, like a month or two later, and I remember just even filling out the paperwork, just feeling like that was waving the white flag of defeat. Like I, I'm a 26 year old with, with like, I'm just failing in my life. So mm -hmm. that, at that point, when you realize I don't have it all together, and uh, my great vision is falling apart. Okay, God, what, what do you want me to do? And I think what was interesting was that what he wanted me to do made absolutely zero sense. Like starting a blog on audio engineering and recording, it sounds like the least profitable use of your time. Like it sounds like there's no way that's going to make any money. And this was 2009. And I didn't even realize even back then there were people that were starting to make money on the internet doing stuff like this, but I didn't know them. It wasn't as common as it is today that I didn't know of any resources. So I literally had no business model. It wasn't even like, Hey, this is a business model that works for other people. It might work for you. It might take a couple of years. I didn't even have the hope of that. I had like no clue what I was doing. And when you would tell other people like at Christmas time, Hey Graham, have you gotten a job yet? No. You know, like, when are you gonna, what are you doing with your time? I'm blogging. I'm, you know, <laughs> like, it's so embarrassing, like, because you don't have a good answer for them. Yeah. And I'm the kind of guy that was like, look, I, I'm not entrepreneurial. I, I want to put myself into a nice, easy box. I'll go get a job. That's all I, I want to do. But God said, no. He said, I want you to keep doing this thing. And all I was going to say was, is when you have no clue what you're doing, like, I didn't know how this business model works. And now I teach it to people every single week and it's very proven and it makes sense. But I didn't know it was a model back then. There's so much you can't control. Like, so maybe you hit that point in your life where there's so much you cannot control. So my personality just looks for what are the things I can control? And I'll get super disciplined on those because it gives me comfort, right? Mm -hmm. Just like people were panic shopping and panic buying when coronavirus hit because it's the one thing you could mentally control was, well, I can control this. And so for me, that was... I can control coming into my little home office from nine to five and 
creating some content, doing whatever I can do that I know how to do to put something out in the world that's valuable. I can't control if people see it. I can't control if people buy anything that I have to sell. I don't even know what to sell, but I can control showing up every day and doing this thing. And that was the beginning of me starting to understand what God was trying to teach me in this business model um, because there was so much that felt out of control and that was too scary to deal with. Yeah. In that regard, do you recommend that approach or are you saying like that was right for you? But looking back, I mean, if someone's there now, their back's against the wall, they don't really, you know, they have a skill, but they're trying to kind of grow in this world of entrepreneurship knowing your story. I mean, is that approach right to say, I'm just going to try and control what I can control and, you know, trust God with the rest. Or is there, is there any advice that you might do that differently now? What would you say? No, I think I, I, what I do is I teach people to do the same thing, but it's a little more finessed, right? I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, but there's, so like what, what people come to me for now is like, how do I, and I've seen that there's people who make money on YouTube or on blogging, or they have online courses or something like that. How does that work? How can I get involved in that? Mm-hmm. And what they want is a quick answer, right? They want to make money fast, like we all do. Um, and there's no way to do that quickly. Very few ways to do that quickly because you need an audience. It's brand building at its best, at its core, right? But there are a few things that you can't control. So many people are trying to control the social media algorithms or trying to control the YouTube algorithm and trying to control SEO. There's a lot of that actually is out of our control, but there's a lot of things that you can control in terms of consistency with building out your content, building an audience, refining your message, becoming a, a valuable resource online, um, listening to your, your, your audience and your students and getting yeah. a sense of what their pain points are. And so I think discipline is the driving factor of any good business, right? And so being disciplined over the things you can control always is a good idea. And mm. then trusting the Lord and, and giving it time with the things that you can't control is yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Um, so let's talk about, man, I, I don't know. So when did things begin to turn for you? I mean, you, you started this, you know, because this is going to be kind of helpful in the sense of what you're teaching others to do now. When did you begin to say, wow, this is a business? What were the things that began to click that it became, I mean, one of the, you became a real industry leader in this, in this industry? Yeah, I think there was like, you know, two inflection points for me. One was the very first sale that I got because I still didn't know you could sell information online like that. I didn't know that was a thing um, and I remember I was uploading videos at the time on YouTube and they had a limit of 15 minutes was the length I could do for videos and I had the idea of wanting to put together a, a long series I wanted to teach a piece of software basically that we use in, in recording studios it's kind of like Photoshop but for music and so everyone was struggling to understand this program and I thought you know what I teach this to people in real life I could I could film like three, four, five hours of me explaining everything in a real casual way, but I can't upload that to YouTube unless it's going to be a million videos. And then it's going to be really awkward to navigate because I really want to. So I said, what if I just filmed it and then I could upload it as like a zip file and sell it with a PayPal button? That was kind of like, that was my first online course. I didn't know that's what it was called. And so I remember putting that together. I filmed it, put up a little like, here's what the videos of the videos are about. Here's how to buy it. And then I, emailed out the people that were following me on my email list like hey here's this thing that was like my launch that's all it was i just let them know about it and i moved on with my life and i remember being in seattle uh, my grandfather had died and so my, my grandmother's still living out there in seattle we flew out there for the funeral and i remember after the funeral she lives in this condo in 
downtown and she doesn't have the internet in her, her apartment. So I went down to like the cafe or the library to get internet, just check my email. And I got this email that says from PayPal, you've got payment. And at the time I wasn't doing a freelance gig. So I didn't know who was paying me because I hadn't invoiced anybody for anything. So I was like, who's giving me money? And then I realized it was the videos that I had put up for sale. I was like, oh, somebody bought my videos. And it was like 47 bucks, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, dude, someone I don't know from somewhere else in the world put $47 in my account to download some videos that I was selling. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, what if I had more people to sell to and more yeah. videos to sell on more topics? So that was an inflection point of this could work mm. exceptionally. Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for your support for this show. We have surpassed the 10,000 download mark, and I want to personally thank you and show you my commitment to continue helping you build great businesses that advance God's kingdom. I'd like to give you a couple exclusive resources for absolutely free, just as a way to say thank you to help you in this great endeavor. The first is going to be a video masterclass with three heroes and mentors of mine. The first one is John Rulin, who is the author of Giftology. Jordan Rayner is a serial entrepreneur and best-selling author of Called to Create and Master of One, and he has a special video for us. And then Vinny Fisher, who is the CEO of Fully Accountable and founder of multiple eight-figure businesses, an incredible, an incredible resource for other CEOs and business owners. And then secondly, our very own Kingdom Capitalist devotional, a 10-day study to help you draw closer to God and find more purpose in your work. I'm so pumped to get these 10K gifts to you. All you have to do if you want these gifts is text the word KINGDOM to 55444. That's it. Text the word KINGDOM to 55444. One more time. Text the word KINGDOM to 55444. 444 and you will get these awesome resources delivered to you for free i'm so excited to be on this journey with you and since i know you love this show i can't wait to get these 10k bonuses to you as well thanks again all right let's get back to the show and then it was probably a year and a half later when i was launching my fifth and my sixth courses because i was just trying things like different topics different courses and they were making some money but those at that point, my audience had grown a bit larger and I had kind of stumbled across some content that my audience really wanted. And I finally hit the, that right inflection point. And I remember selling a lot of those courses. And by the end of that year, this is after two years of making content full time. After two years, I was kind of hitting that $60,000 a year mark. And that was more money than I'd ever made in my life. Uh, and I realized, oh my gosh, I've replaced a day job. This is something substantial here. And that was, to me, the turning point of this is real. This is legitimate. I can call myself a business owner. There's a, there's a future here. And now I just got to figure out how to refine it, get better at it, and grow it. I think there's a principle there, that, which is what I love about entrepreneurship. Like, it's so much fun to see that your strengths and the gifts that God has, give you, that God has given you has value right? That like, and and that is what entrepreneurship it is. It's learning what am I good at and then figuring out how to, you know, use that gift to really serve somebody else that's, that has them worth paying for. And I, I, that's for me too. Like I didn't realize, you know, when I was a pastor or missionary, I, I was an evangelist. I was a relationship builder. I was a connector. 
and never did it cross my mind that people would actually pay me, <laughs> right, to be that, to be a connector, to be an evangelist. Um, and that's what I do for our, for our mastermind, for our community. I mean, I am the chief connector for those who are in the world of commercial and real estate investing. And um, so it's, it's I, I just think that's a huge principle there for everyone. It's like, it's, it's identifying, man, what your passions, what you're good at, and then figuring out how do I use that? How do I craft that to really serve an audience who's, who's, who really needs that? So and it's a big principle there, man, that I think I've learned over the course of, um, you know, in this journey and my audience have been following me in this journey of just what does it look like to be a kingdom entrepreneur and entrepreneur in general? I think that's a huge principle for me is knowing your superpower, knowing your strength, and then using that, man, leveraging that to serve others and find creating something that they're willing to pay for. And so that's a, that's a really, really cool story. I can really relate to that uh, a ton. Do you want to, you want to respond? I was, I was just going to say, <laughs> yeah, no, just, just to, to put a bow on that, like that is so true. You know, non-Christians, they get it in a sense that like, yeah, everyone has a passion and a skill and they can see the intersection of value there. Christians, we have a whole more, we have a deeper foundation there that like we were designed mm -hmm. intentionally, strategically mm -hmm. with those skills and passions. And then you take that and the moment we're living in right now where the internet has allowed you to connect with the whole world, because maybe the people that would pay you for value don't live in your town or city, mm -hmm. right? But now the whole world is your city and town. And so it's just the most exciting time to discover your value that you have to offer the world because there's so many more people that would want to connect with it than ever before. So it's just a beautiful intersection of all those things. Like the moment we're having right now, it gets me pumped yeah. up. Yeah, I know. It's so cool, man. Well, Hey, so I'll, let's get into this. So there's two big topics I want to talk about um, because you're the expert. Like I'd be amiss to not get some of these thoughts here. Um, and I'll, I'll let you decide. So there's two topics, selling online and automating your business. Um, where do we start? I think they're the same to me. I see them as one and the same, so we can cover them both. Um, I think selling online is the fastest way to automate your business. Um, okay. So, for so example... And, and, and let, let me preface this, knowing our audience, yeah. um, most people have a business or a product, right? There's investors who are raising money for deals, um, there's different, you know, there's different business owners who, who already are managing a company or a team. And so, you know, there's really, I don't think a lot of our audience are, I'm trying to figure out what to do to make my first dollar. I'm sure there are several people who are listening to that, but most people, they have this business. So with that kind of framework in mind, let's talk about online and automation. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I believe very strongly that content is the future of driving online sales or driving just brand awareness, even if you sell over the phone or sell in person. Um, so we're, we're in a content driven world. The Netflix is, you know, HBO max is just coming out. Everything is another streaming service. We, we can't get enough content, YouTube podcast like this. I mean, just, we are insatiable for content. And so what I think is strategic for any business is to create their own content or hire someone who can create content so that you can start to build different bridges over to your brand through these content channels. My favorite, you know, in general is YouTube because it's kind of like a, a three for one. It's a, 
it's a content platform, just like a blog would be, or, or a podcast would be, but it's also a search engine. You know, it's the second largest search engine in the world. Second largest visited website every day next to Google. So you got Google and you got YouTube and they're the same company. Um, so it's where people are going. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that YouTube is where people are going for all kinds of things. You know, it's not just to how to fix my toilet. Um, it's also, they're going for like political information, you know, and discourse they are going to it for sports updates are going to it for um, entertainment reprieve. It's just like a random grab bag of different stuff. So I, I feel like brands can leverage if they want to content, having regular content that's put out there in the world that people enjoy interacting with and adds value to their lives. And then becomes an, uh, a, just a entry point for diving deeper and engaging deeper with that brand. So uh, if someone found your podcast or they found your uh, YouTube video or found your blog post that was super helpful, a, a random example, random example, this might drive it home is years ago, my wife and I were looking to replace the carpet in our first house. We'd never bought carpet before. And we're like, crap, we don't know anything about buying carpet. I don't know anything about carpet padding, carpet installation. I don't want to get ripped off. So we're Googling stuff about carpet. And obviously lots of carpet companies come up and carpet showrooms and that kind of stuff. But we stumbled across a guy's blog article about like he has this, this, this like article on how to like know you're getting a good deal when you're buying carpet. So it's like, okay, let me read this first. And at the end of this article, he's pitching a little ebook that he has. And I think it was like a $15 ebook on how to buy carpet. Like, look, I've been a carpet installer for 30 years. Like, you know, here's everything like you want. Read this before you go buy carpet. I don't even sell carpet, but just read this before you buy carpet kind of thing. And so we end up buying this guy's ebook on carpet buying and installation to edu educate ourselves. But uh, imagine if that guy actually has a carpet showroom, like I'm going to probably buy carpet from him. Yeah, that's huge. You know, and so it's, it's, I don't need to be the best product or the best service in the world. I need to be good because I'm a Christian and I want to be excellent at everything I do, but I don't need to be the best, but I certainly want to be known, liked, and trusted by people. And I think content is an untapped resource to be discovered and to spread yourself out all over the internet to bring all these little bridges back to your site, to your brand, to your products, or whatever you're doing. So a couple issues with that, though, that I hear often. One is like, um, you know, it's, it's that tension. And I know you, you think from a framework of generosity, you want to try and outgive your competitors in the term, in, in the form of content. But how much is too generous, right? Where it's like, man, I still got to drive revenue. And then that, that's one tension I hear often. But then the other thing, there really, there's not a shortage of content though, right? So how do you know that you're creating content going to resonate or, you know, like for you actually draw in those who you're trying to lead? Um, because in most, on most platforms, content, there's not a shortage of content. There, there might be too much content, you know, saturation of content. So both of those tensions, how, how do you address those for the business owner? Yeah. So one, I don't think you can give too much. Uh, I think, I mean, I think give as much as you, you, you can physically, like if you can't get your work done because you're making content, you know, that that's a line you have to draw. Maybe you delegate it or outsource it or build your team, but you can't give out too much content because I view like every, every video, let's say I put on YouTube, I view it as an employee that costs me nothing to, to hire, who's working for me 24 seven, shouting out my brand, bringing people in, leading them to my email list where I can offer them paid services or products on the back end 24 hours a day all over the world. So 
it, it, it's like every piece of content I put out in the world, if it's a blog post or a podcast or a, a video, not social media, let's take away Instagram or Facebook because that's a little bit different, different tool for different purpose. But content, like th those things of, of content are evergreen. They, they, you do it once and it can work for you forever. I have videos that drive traffic to my website every single day that I've shot five, six, seven years ago. That's a good use of my time because I did that piece of content once and it works for me forever. And I think the more you give with content, especially, it just becomes more marketing for you. The more people know about you. There are people that started with me in my, let's say the music space on that business years ago who wanted to keep everything behind a paywall. And they, were, they, they used to criticize me saying, Graham, you're giving away too many videos. Like you should be selling those videos. That's like too much. But my brand grew faster and longer and it's still in existence today than theirs because more people know about me. When you mm -hmm. type in a, a keyword, I show up and they don't show up because I have so much good relevant content. So I think it only helps you if you give more. Uh, and it reminds me of um, one of my favorite verses on this topic is in Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. It, one gives freely yet grows all the richer and one withholds what he should give and only suffers want. And it's that weird paradox of it's scary to give anything because you may not get anything back in return. But I think the, the biblical principle of sowing and reaping that, you know, if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully, Apostle Paul says, right? So I'm sowing a lot of seeds through content and I only benefit. And then to your second point, yeah, there's, there's so much content out there. It's insane. But most of it's garbage. Most of it's weak most of its teaser content it's not most of it is just like a, a facade for okay i should have content out there but buy my thing as opposed to content that truly wants to be self-contained in a way that's like hey if you just stumbled across this i'm going to just blow your mind and make this a good use of your five minutes or whatever we're spending together and then i'm going to offer you something even more for free like a bonus guide or download or workshop or something you can engage with for free in exchange for your email address but still i'm still not asking you for money in this piece of content i'm giving you a ton of value and asking for only your email to give you even more value mm -hmm. and that's the business model but that's rare a lot of people see content and they just want to either get as big of an audience as they can so they'll just do whatever and the content's kind of fluff or shock value or they just feel like they need to have a, a a blog article for every topic that just to be SEO friendly. And that's just only, but so deep. I want every piece of content to truly stand out and it doesn't have to be a lot more work. It just means you have to be a little bit more intentional and more generous in what you share. And that actually stands out because most content's garbage. Yeah. I, the idea of evergreen and using platforms, you mentioned YouTube. What are some other evergreen platforms that you would focus on so that people can continue to see this type of content? Yeah. YouTube, uh, a blog on your website um, that you add to regularly is going to help you in Google searches. Those would be the two big ones. Podcast is is interesting because currently podcasts aren't very aren't very searchable. I, I think Apple, who's kind of the dominant driver with podcasts, although Spotify is is fighting for them with the whole Joe Rogan takeover recently, mm -hmm. is very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but Apple Podcasts, right? They've done nothing to really make it a great platform for discovery. And there's other platforms, let's say in China, that run po their podcast platforms, and they have a way better infrastructure for podcast discovery. And it's a, it's more like a YouTube. I think once Apple wakes up and realizes that people really freaking love podcasts, if they make it a little bit more searchable, podcasts will be even more in the, that vein of YouTube, where it's a little more, you know, like I said, searchable. It's a little more evergreen. Yeah. But those are the big three, hmm. uh, as opposed to 
Instagram, Facebook, where you put out a piece of content, it's gone. It disappears in their feed. Or if it's an Instagram story, it's gone in 24 hours anyway. You mentioned blog. And I, this is a selfish question um, because we're working on a blog. Uh, surprise. But is it outdated? Like, that's my only thing. I'm, I'm not sure the blog thing yet. That's why I'm not, whole, I'm not bought in. Like, is it still relevant is my question. Something like a blog. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It's it's relevant for you because it's going to drive SEO. Like content is the best SEO. So talk to any SEO expert, search engine optimization. They can do some tweaks and hacks to your site, but the thing that will drive the most search engine optimization is you adding relevant content to your site through a blog. So it's going to be good for you to be discovered if you have a lot of really good articles, and then two. I love videos as much as the next guy, but a lot of my audience, they, they don't like to consume content through video. Mm-hmm. They can't skim it. They, skipping around doesn't work and they have to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And they, a lot of them like to check out content while they're working, you know, for somebody else discreetly, you know, or they're just sitting on their phone with their kids and they don't want to be listening to a video. They just want to be able to browse something though, you know, that isn't possible with video and it's not even possible with podcasting. So there is still a place for written like skimming and seeing the topics and seeing the header and seeing, Oh, that's the part of the content I want to engage with. It's faster to engage with that content. And so I feel like it has a major place. The concept of a blog sounds old, but it's written articles like mm-hmm. news feeds are, are like, that's what Twitter is, right? Like it's, it's all the Twitter short form. It's the same thing. People are constantly looking for text to like scroll through and see what's new, see what's interesting, Google yeah. something, something pops up. So it's just as relevant as ever. What about transcribing this podcast and putting that on our, I mean, do you, do you transcribe your, your audio and stuff and, and just do it that way? I, I don't, I probably should. Um, if I were to do it, I would want someone to really turn it into a good blog article though, like mm-hmm. clean it up. Mm-hmm. shorten it up. Like, I don't know if anyone wants to read a 45 minute podcast. That's how I feel, that's how I that's feel just, right? That's, that's why we haven't done it yet. Cause I'm like, who wants to sit and read a 45 minute conversation that they got to hear me block, you know, and I get going on tangents. It sounds terrible, but maybe some people want it. Some people have requested it, but not enough for me to do it. <laughs> I think what those people are honestly requesting is they would love a written version that's a summation of the points and the, that's like, it's a condensed abridged conversation. I don't think they really want to read 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, leave us a review yeah. guys. I would like to hear, go leave us a review and say, I want more written content from Kingdom Capitalist or I would like the audio. That would mean a ton. Uh, write us a review on iTunes or shoot me an email Ellis at Kingdom Capitalist.co. Um, all right, man, we're coming to the end of our time. I want to ask you, I want to ask you a big question here. Um, just because you are a family man, I just see, I love, I love how open you are just about, you know, your marriage and your kids um, and being an entrepreneur. A lot of, I always ask this question, like what's your greatest struggle as a kingdom capitalist? And there's this tension always between, you know, growing as a Christian, my faith, but the, just the pursuit of money and finances and the weight of that. And so um, I guess I'd just love to hear your, your concept of kind of what you've learned over the years about, the pursuit of, you know, money as an entrepreneur, I mean, in some ways that is like a big scoreboard for us, right? Is how much revenue we bring in, you know, it's fun. That's why a lot of us probably get into this too, is we like seeing the scoreboard of the amount of revenue that we bring in. But for you personally, what have you learned over the years about 
what is the right way to uh, use money as a motivator or where is it filling your scoreboard? Um, yeah, let me just stop there and ask it that way. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges for me is I, I'm like, I'm like two people in one. Like there's a version of Graham that um, we, we love to be able to give money away. And so every dollar that we bring in, in our, like, so I have two businesses. My wife has a business. Like we've just viewed the businesses right as these mechanisms for generating wealth. And one of the ways we use the businesses is to then fund ministry mm. and, uh, or just bless people, you know? Um, and so part of the scoreboard is for that the half of Graham that's like, dude, we're able to cut that check. We're able to fund that endeavor. We're able to pay for that person's adoption, whatever it is like that. That's really fun. The other side of me has the same struggle that you just mentioned. I was literally er, earlier today on counseling, zoom counseling with my counselor. And we're talking about this exact same thing, bro. Like struggling with what's the measure of my worth. And so when you get past the point, you know, my story with businesses is, is maybe similar to other people's where I needed the business to grow and do some things. I had no money. We needed to just provide. And so there was the, the urgency of I need to make money. And then it was like, oh, it worked. We made money. We're not going to go broke. Now this is fun. Can we like replace our janky cars, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, then, and then it became, you know, how big can this get? And then it, at that point you get past like the, the point of needing money to be anything and it becomes okay, now it's not about the need. It is about the scorecard. And I've, I, to this day, the preface is I still struggle with that. But one of the other things I really love more than money is, um, is, is flexibility and freedom. And so um, I've never been interested in working a lot. Um, <laughs> and I, my, the way God started my business was a little unique in that I, was, I had to start it in four days a week. Uh, eight hours a day. So 32 hours is the most I've ever given my business in a week. Um, and that was through, because the fact that we were church planning, my Saturdays and Sundays were already taken up as the worship leader and going to the storage unit with a band and getting the stuff and taking it to the rehearsal thing. And you know, we would lose my whole weekend. So I didn't have a day off to just Sabbath and rest of my family. And so when I was starting my business, I had an older, wiser gentleman tell me, you're going to have to take Fridays off or something. That's going to have to be your, your day with your family because you're really working for the church in a way for free on Saturday, Sunday, and then you're doing your work on Monday through Thursday. You got to right. take at least one day off. And I remember thinking, this is impossible. Like, I, I, I can't start a business in five days a week. How am I going to do it in four days a week? But that was all I was given from day one was 32 hours. Um, and as it started to grow, I got very interested in how can I make this even more efficient? So I it was just, that became a new scorecard for me. Hmm. How few hours can I put in and still generate the same amount of revenue or more? So every year I have two numbers. I want to see, I would love to see revenue go up and I'd love to see work in my business go down. And um, hmm. that's, what's been fun for me. It, and that, that inherently isn't biblical necessarily, but it's fun to see like, wow, it almost is a good challenge because it challenges what I do. Is that really are useful use of my time. I mean, it just challenges the activities we do and the things we assume, right? That that's yeah. very important. And if I'm asked, you know, hard questions like, well, what if you couldn't do that? What if you could only work a couple hours a week? What would you do to keep revenue coming in? Those are hard questions. Mm -hmm. um, but they force you to be efficient. So I, I really look at my time going down and revenue going up or staying the same as another scorecard of, I want to be flexible and free to, 
to, to take trips with my family or to be available for like my church to just, I'm one of those guys that like, could, you could call me up in the middle of the day and I could come do something for you because I really have nothing going on. <laughs> and yeah, I, I like having you, that freedom. Do you, uh, so this is one thing we're developing for our community, what we call a go forward plan and really trying to distinguish like the key value drivers in business, of course, but also outside of business. Do you map those out for your faith or your family or your, you know, your relationship with kids or marriage to know like, man, when we get to the end of this year, like I want to have done these things or is it more, is it more kind of about like having the time or flexibility or have you actually kind of distinguished, you know, these are the things that I'm really focused on accomplishing in these other areas of my life. I'm probably a hybrid. I don't know if I'm as intentional as that sounds. That sounds pretty good. Um, I do have like, like goals for family, like marriage, family, you know, like ministry, if you want to call it that everything's ministry. Um, I'm very, I'm very productivity driven. Like I think a lot of entrepreneurs are, and I want to see growth in all these areas, but I've been probably more hyper-focused on like reining in the work and like becoming a game of like, let's, if I can free up my time, because if money and time are the two most important currencies in the world um, and I have enough money, I would love to have even more time. What I do with that time, I'm still like, it changes every year. I feel like God's got different stuff for me in different seasons, but I feel like it's been an important driver for me to keep myself super flexible. And one of those, for example, taking the recording revolution for, as a business from 32 hours a week down to less than five hours a week um, has allowed me to start this other business a couple of years ago, teaching online business. And so that's been one, one thing God told me to do was I want you to start another online resource now, not talking about music, but teaching everything you know about online business and passive income. And I wouldn't have the time to do that if I were still working in my business all the time. So that's, for, the, for that season, it's been good. What activities did you keep? Like, what did you not outsource in that, in the, in that business right now? My con yeah. My content, my videos, creating content. Yeah. Everything else you outsource, posting it, chopping it up, even engagement. Yeah. Um, no, not engagement. I still do that, but I just don't do a ton of engagement with the content. I'm not mm -hmm. as engaged as, as I could be. Um, mm -hmm. But again, I'm a big fan of like, like the, having the minimum effective dose. Like what's the minimum to still be effective and still provide value? And I get it wrong sometimes and mm -hmm. I have to rein it in. But yeah, that's the one thing. My brands are both personality driven for better or for worse, probably for worse because then I can't outsource that. Mm -hmm. um, but, but those are the things that I can't really delegate to somebody else. Give an example or maybe a, a, unless you're just comfortable sharing someone's hearing this there, they want to be able to do this. They want to outsource kind of this, this system. What, what do you, you know, having a team like that, what would that cost for a business to really be able to kind of build that, bring that on and be able to, you know, let's say you're still producing the content, but you want to kind of outsource the rest of it. What would you budget for something like that? So like it depends on the task, right? So like I have an assistant um, and I pay him about like 20 bucks an hour about 20 hours a week um, to do all kinds of different things. And he'll, he'll chop up some videos. He'll post stuff to YouTube for me. He'll schedule the emails with the, the content to go out. He'll uh, get in my inbox and clean up a lot of that, take care of customers, mm -hmm. some of the similar emails that, you know, anybody could respond to. So the, 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 the more straightforward stuff is, is more hourly. Like, yeah, you train the person to do, do it the way you want to do it. And it's pretty easy. On the other side of things with the recording revolution after about five, six years, I outsourced the, the marketing 
to a guy who works on a commission basis. So he's percentage basis who came alongside and was like, I was like, look, I've taken as far as I can go. He approached me about like, Hey, I could take over the copywriting for you and some of the promotional ideas and, and be that kind of brain. So you can just focus on content. And so that's all been in one sense free because he's grown the business, you know, to the point where what he's making comes off that, that extra that. growth. So I love that. And great. Um, do you have a, uh, this is again, a selfish question, but I think it'd be really helpful for anybody who's listening because we could share this. Do you have like a work, like for that assistant, um, a workflow or like a checklist of things you want them to do kind of each week or each month uh, that's really clear that, so that you both have clarity on what their task or roles are, or have you kind of gotten to the point where you don't need that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, fortunately the works is the same week to week, unless there's something really weird. So yes, his, his roles are, I want, so email was the very first thing I had to outsource because as a personality on YouTube, you get a lot of people like emailing you just, Oh, I love your stuff or asking you specific questions. And I realized my email load was getting all over the place. So every day it's like, Hey, I want you to get into my inbox first part of the day, clear out all the stuff, clean it up for me. So when I get in there, cause I don't check email to the end of the day. Um, when I get in there, uh, I want to just see what's for me. So he'll do that weekly. He'll take my weekly content and we use a tool called Asana, right? And I'll say, Hey, I've, here's the video. It's shot. I want you to take it. And then I've already, I've already got all the information for you. Put it in YouTube, put it on Facebook, email it out. Here's the, all the stuff you need for that. He goes through my personal brand and watches those videos, which are a, a podcast, a video podcast. And I have him chop up parts of that to make little Instagram nuggets and snippets. And that was something we didn't do for a while, but then I asked him to do, we worked out how long that takes and figured out a rhythm for that. But it's pretty much week to week is the same. So we know the main things we're hitting and ish, I just need things done by a certain amount of time. Other than that, he's free to work on because he has his own online business also that he does. It's very similar to mine, but in a different niche. And so he can work on his business half the, half the week and he can work on my stuff half the week. And mm -hmm. if he needs, if he wants to take a day off and go to the beach with his family, he can flex and just catch up on other yeah, days, good. but it's similar tasks. Yeah. No, I love that. That's really helpful work. Um, yeah. Distinguish. Even you said the first thing you need to go off your plate was email. So helping people with like, what is that big task that you need to get off your plate so you can really focus on, you know, your money making your, your money generating activity. Really good. Yeah. Um, Graham, man, this has been fun, dude. This has been really helpful. We've talked a lot about entrepreneurship. Uh, the title of this podcast will be something around that. And uh, just, I think it's been so helpful, um, especially for those who are really seeking to continue to try and grow and scale and even automate parts of their business. But even more so, man, I love just to focus on the reason, you know, you're doing like you, it's, it's flexibility, it's time with your family, it's the um, being able to create uh, time to be able to, to do the things that also create significance for you. You know, there's success outside of business. So we talk about business being the ultimate spiritual game. And I, and I think one of the things we mean by that is, is that um, because it's a spiritual game, it like who is the master over your business, right? Is, mm -hmm. is, the, is the business have mastery over you or are you a master over the business? And one of the things about it being a spiritual game is God, God gives us, like he gives us the business as entrepreneurs or business owners says, how are you going to steward this? And a huge part of that is our time. And so, um, man, just, yeah, incredibly grateful for your example and what we've learned from you today, bro. Is there any final closing thoughts? If um, I, I'd love to ask you, um, please give us, and if not, or if so, also tell our audience kind of where they can go to learn more about you, see some of your videos, even interact with you. Yeah, man, I would say if you're interested in 
sort of seeing more of like, like the business model that I teach online, even if it's not exactly what you do, I think it can be incorporated to just about any business. I mean, you, you mentioned commercial real estate. I don't know how many commercial real estate investors are doing exactly what I do. Content, driving an email list that can lead to a discovery call to do deals or education or a mastermind or something. There's so much that you can learn from this business model that you could incorporate if you saw it as a fun way to like, leverage yourself and multiply yourself and your yeah. brand. So if you want to see more of that in a more straightforward place, I, I have a free workshop that I give out to people. That's like, here's 45 minutes of like, okay, there's four elements that make this business run. Here's how they work together. Here's the tools that you could use free and cheap to get it going. If you need good didactic teaching on that. Um, and it's just at grahamcochran.com slash workshop. That's, that's usually where I push people. Cause I, I think it, shows you the whole model and from there your eyes will be open and you'll be like okay cool we've got this element we don't have this or whatever yeah um and all i, I would encourage that. people to do is just i i know not everybody wants to make videos all day long or like or do what i do but i would encourage everyone who's checking this out and listening today to think about your brand as more than just what you offer and the traditional means of advertising and, and getting business and realize that these content platforms are a great place to exist, to be discovered, just to have another way to draw leads in, into your world to find out what you do. It's just like churches and missionaries who are looking for a new way to get the word out. That's all these tools are, is a new way to get the word out and there are ways that you can scale really easily if you're really busy. So I think it's a great thing to look into and just tease out a little bit. How could I incorporate content strategically in the next six to 12 months of my business? Yeah, love it. GrahamCochran.com. Everyone, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, brother, for joining us. Go leave us a review. Uh, iTunes, that's, uh, that's how we're growing this. Uh, we've already got over 100 five-star reviews. Would love, love for you to uh, go and give us your feedback. I literally read every single one because I, I want to know how do we make this better. I'd like to hear, should, should we write some written more? Should we have more written content? Do we need to go on YouTube? Uh, so let us know by leaving us a review and then sharing this on social media. Graham, you're on social media, yeah? I am, but I'm actually taking a year off. So my platforms are there, but I'm not physically seeing All right, them, so, so don't tag Graham because he will not <laughs> respond and you'll get no love. No, but no you can love. sure tag me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Would love to connect with you there. So thanks again. We'll see you next week. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guests of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.